Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. This is week three of Soundtrack. Um, this has been an interesting series for me. It has sparked many conversations, and, and I appreciate you allowing me to kind of walk down memory lane and, and be reminded of some of the songs that, that mean something to me, songs that mean something to me spiritually. And then you've even allowed me at times to talk about some of the songs that just are foolish, and, and, but yet we enjoy them anyway, and you've allowed me to talk about that. And so we've had a lot of neat conversations. We've had some serious conversations. We've had some, some you know, poking fun conversations at, at different types and styles of music and that kind of stuff. And so thank you for being interested in this series and, and the response that you have given us already. Uh, the first week we discovered that choosing the right song today can prophesy into your life tomorrow. What you sing before the battle has the ability to bring victory. And we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where the nation of Judah was about to be attacked by a coalition of three other nations coming against them. And what the nation of Judah did is they sent the praise team out in front of the army. And, and this was unprecedented. This was unheard of. But that praise team brought about victory and they didn't even have to fight the enemy. How many of you would like to have that kind of victory in your life where you just sing your way to victory and you don't even have to lift a sword? Amen? That would be a great victory, wouldn't it? And, and then last week I told you that you need a song to sing that helps you get through the tough times. You need that go-to song in your life. And in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas began praying and singing to God while they were in prison. And their praise shook the very foundation of that prison and their chains fell off, their shackles fell off. And I told you that you need a song in your heart that will shake the foundation of the hell that you're walking through. And some of you have that. Some of you, you found that song in your life, and it's helping you. The others in this room, you need to stop letting the enemy steal your song. That's what he's going to do. He's going to steal your song. Ultimately, it steals your joy. Stop letting the enemy steal your song. Who can forget the famous copyright infringement that occurred in 1990 when Vanilla Ice sampled Queen and David Bowie's song, Under Pressure, without consent or license? You remember, you remember the interview with him where, where he said, Vanilla Ice said, no, ours goes dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and theirs goes dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And everybody's like, it's the same song. And everybody knew it. And the case never went to court because it was clear that Vanilla Ice had stolen the sample without permission and used it on his hit, Ice Ice Baby. And it settled out of court with, with Queen and, and David Bowie uh, getting an undisclosed amount in that settlement. Earlier this year, a jury found pop musicians Pharrell Williams and Robin Thicke guilty of copyright infringement because their song, Blurred Lines, bears too much of a resemblance to a classic Marvin Gaye hit. And they were ordered by the courts to pay $7.3 million to the Marvin Gaye estate. Uh, there's something to be said about the ability to write and sing a new song. Uh, it may save you a little bit of money if you can do that, to, to write and sing a new song. But we all love our old music. We do. We love our old music. When we go to a concert, we love it when the band plays songs off of their old albums. 
We're not always crazy at first about the new songs. It takes a while for new songs to grow on us. I know when one of my favorite bands comes out with a new album, I have to listen to that album numerous times. Sometimes I even have to force myself to listen to it, whether it be a Christian artist or a secular artist. I have to force myself to listen to some of my favorite bands before that music grows on me. The tunes that we enjoy the most are the ones that we already know, the ones that we are familiar with, the ones that we have memorized and we sing along long to. We're comfortable with old songs. And music has the ability to capture thoughts and feelings from the past and send them racing into our present. It's a common experience for us to find yourself moved by some old song that you've sung for years. This past Wednesday, Mandy and I celebrated 20 years of marriage. 20 years. Yes. And so I planned this getaway to Panama City Beach because my wife loves the beach. She does. I'm a mountains guy. I like to go to the mountains. Mandy likes to go to the beach. And everybody knows that the um, you know, anniversary is always really about the wife is what it is. So I plan to go to the beach. And it all centered around a concert that I bought us tickets to because one of Mandy's favorite artists, Colby Calais, was scheduled to be in concert with Christina Perry in Panama City Beach, or in Panama City at the same time that we were at Panama City Beach. And so it was just this, this perfect situation for us that we were going to be there, and, and this, uh, you know, this concert's going to be taking place on our anniversary, on our actual anniversary. And Mandy's been listening to Colby Calais for nearly a decade. I mean, she has really enjoyed her music. Matter of fact, Mandy says that she helped make her famous. Mandy says she helped put Colby Calais on the map because Mandy found her and started listening to her on MySpace years ago on MySpace. I need some of the parents in the room lean over to your kids and explain to them what MySpace is. And so Mandy's been, for, for almost a decade now, Mandy's been a fan of Colby Calais and and so I just wanted to make it right. You know, it was perfect. The beach, Mandy likes the beach, her favorite artist. And so basically I'm the best husband ever. You know, that's how it works. And so everything was perfect. And all the way to Panama City Beach, we listened to Colby Calais. We did. We listened to old albums. We even downloaded the new album and had to work through some of those songs because we didn't know them. But, but we, you know, no doubt she was going to sing those songs in concert. So we wanted to be familiar with them. And when we arrived at the concert and, and uh, an usher helped us find our seats, we were excited, man. We're sitting there. We got there early. And, and uh, you know, me and being a musician, I love being in that environment. I love seeing the, the big sound and the lights and all that kind of stuff. And so we're sitting there and we're just getting ready to enjoy the concert. And, and I looked over at Mandy and, and I, I said to her, I said, do you follow Colby Calais on Twitter? And she said, I don't think so. Now, Twitter, okay, some of you kids in the room, you need to lean over to your grandparents and you need to explain to them what Twitter is. Okay? I, I said, do you follow her on Twitter? And she says, no, I don't think so. So we both got our phones out and we started looking up Colby Calais, you know, looking up her Twitter page and, and looking at, and then it happened. Just a couple of tweets down, this is what I saw. Panama City, Florida. I'm so sorry, but I won't be able to perform at tonight's show I have tonsillitis. Now you can imagine how disappointed I was. I mean, she spelled tonsillitis wrong. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously, she did, but, but seriously. 
my perfect husband badge was falling off. I mean, the world was crashing around me sitting right there in the Marina Civic Center. Everything that I had worked so hard for to plan this getaway was just crashing down. That one tweet had the ability just to change my whole attitude. Mandy was very gracious, and she did her best to encourage me, but it bummed me out. I mean, she looked at me and said, hey, we both enjoy music. Let's just enjoy this concert. You know, we still get to see Christina Perry. At the time, I knew two Christina Perry songs. That's it. That's, that's it. And one of them I don't like. I'm not going to tell you which one I do like because it was in the movie Twilight, and I'm not going to tell you that I like that one because I might lose my man card, but I'm still a good husband. Um, and so I'm bummed out, you know, and, 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 and Mandy's doing her best to try and help me and, and everything, but we, we stayed. There, there was a couple in front of us that they got up and left um, whenever they announced that Colby Calais was not going to be there. And that's what I felt like doing. I mean, I did. I sent her, like, bad hate mail to her Twitter account and all that kind of stuff while I was sitting there. I'm joking. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, and so... All of a sudden, the lights go down, and I hear Mandy say, Oh, no, she's on crutches. And the opening act is coming on stage, and, and there's a stagehand with a flashlight that's showing her where to go. And she goes over, and she sits at a, at a keyboard. And, and within the first measure of her just playing the keyboard, she hits a bad chord. She has to correct herself really quick. And I'm thinking, this, this is awful. This is bad. And she hops around, the opening act hops around from the keyboard over to a, a stool. She's wearing a boot on her foot because the, the night before she jumped off of a stage and, and messed up her leg. I mean, and had to go to the hospital in Bay County in Panama City to get this boot on her leg. So she says, I'm used to running all over the stage and stuff and dancing and all that, which I'm sure would have been a better show, but not her hopping back and forth. And then she makes one of the most critical mistakes. This opening act makes one of the most critical mistakes. She confuses Panama City with Pensacola. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, this is just one of the worst nights. This is disastrous. How can this get any worse? And then Christina Perry took the stage. And all was right in the world. Amazing voice. I, not my style of music. It's not really what I would buy. But talent is talent. And all of a sudden, Mandy and I were glued in and we're listening to this girl sing. And, and she was the saving grace of the whole night. And so on the way to Panama City Beach, we listened to Colby Calais. I deleted all of her music off of my phone. Mandy is no longer allowed to listen to her or follow her on Twitter or MySpace. You don't still do MySpace, do you? Okay. Um, but all the way to Panama City Beach, we listened to Colby Calais. But all the way home, we listened to Christina Perry. Now we were new fans because we had seen her. In con and I even listened to the song from Twilight, and I enjoyed every note of it. Don't judge me. Don't judge me at all. To enjoy that evening, we had to adapt and enjoy new songs that we didn't know. There was no other way around it. If we were going to have a good time, and we were going to get our money's worth out of the tickets that I bought, we would have to adapt and enjoy new songs that we didn't know, that we have never sung to before. We were going to have to develop that mindset. 
I grew up on hymns. Anybody else, you grew up on hymns? I mean, you, you grew up going to church, singing out of, the, out of the hardback hymnal. You remember that. I grew up on hymns, and I'll tell you, Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art, The Old Rugged Cross, those are some of my favorites and will forever be some of my favorites. Now, there's some other hymns that I don't like as much, and I think the theology is bad on some of them, but, but, but those three right there, man, I'm telling you, those are some of my favorites. As a matter of fact, just a, a little bit of knowledge for you. The first song ever played at Destiny Community Church at our inaugural service on September 3rd, 2006 was The Old Rugged Cross. I know some of you like, man, all that music y'all play today and, and you did that first? Yeah, we did because that was the foundation. We knew that this church would have to be a place where people could go to the cross and they could find forgiveness for their sins, that, that, that the cross would point them and direct them in directions that they needed to go to follow the, the will of God for their life. And so that was the foundational song that we wanted to play and that we wanted to sing as a congregation in, in that moment. As much as I love some of the old hymns, there are not really any commands in the Bible to sing old songs to the Lord. There's not anything in the Bible that really says sing an old song to the Lord. I know in Ephesians 5 and 19 it says speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is what it says. And so that's close, I guess. Colossians 3 and 16 says teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But, but that's as close as it gets. It doesn't necessarily spell it out and say sing old songs to the Lord. And no, it says sing old songs to each other is what it says. It's certainly not disobedient to sing old songs. And I don't want you to think that at all. Please listen to me, okay? It's not disobedient to sing old songs. It simply isn't something that God needs to remind us to do. That's why we don't find many verses about singing old songs because naturally we hum, sing, and select the stuff that we already know because it's just natural to us. Once something is, we're familiar with it in our mind, we, we know just to sing that. We're drawn towards the songs that we already like. What we don't yet know are the new songs that God has in store for us. And I'm not necessarily talking about songs when I say this. I'm not talking about songs that we would physically sing. I'm talking about a change in our spirit. What song is in our heart? There's new songs that God has for us, new promises that he has for us that we have yet to grab and hold on to. And as you, as you are about to see, life's unexpected challenges are conquered in the new songs. Whatever you are going through or you will go through, I promise you, it will be conquered in the new song. So the scriptures need to remind us again and again to sing a new song to the Lord. Psalm 33 and 3 says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Psalm 96 and 1 says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98 and 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Psalm 149 and 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Isaiah 42 and 10 says, Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. And even in the prophetic vision of the heaven that will come, Revelation 5 and 9 says, They sang a new song. And Revelation 14 and 3 says, And they were singing a new song before the throne. You see, God is serious about new songs. God enjoys new songs. And he commands us through his word over and over and over again, Sing a new song to me. 
But it's not more about him than it is about you because God knows what's going to happen when you sing a new song to him. He knows that something is going to change in your spirit. And God's word continues to admonish us over and over to sing new songs. But it's not always easy. You know what it's like when we introduce a new song to you. A lot of times it's awkward. We prepare the praise team for that because it's just tough sometimes. We know by the 10th or 12th time that we sing it, you'll, you'll join in. But sometimes it's just tough teaching a new song to a congregation because it takes energy to learn new songs. It takes effort to worship to them. Over time, we know it gets easier. But think about this. This is just a reminder. I'll fly away in blessed assurance they were once new songs. And there's people that have been ministered to by the lyrics from those songs, and they will continue to minister to others. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to read the greatest hit of one of the greatest songwriters of all time. So I want you to turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Many of you, you know this by heart. But in my opinion, this is one of the greatest songs by one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And when David wrote the 23rd Psalm, I, I want you to know life was good for him at that moment. Life was going really good for David. And so I want you to listen to the confidence that he has in these words that he penned. I want you to listen to the confidence that he has in God. The confidence that he has in his Savior. The confidence that he has in his Lord. Listen to what he says Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In my opinion, one of the greatest songs ever written. And man, you can just tell that at that moment, life is good for David. I mean, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I promise you, God has provided for him, and he feels God's provision during that moment. When he said, he anoints my head with oil, he could feel the anointing of God falling in, over his life. When he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me, he's experiencing surely goodness and mercy right there in his life. He's got it. And then he says, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because you know what it's like to experience a good song when you're at church. And you're like, man, I don't want this to end. I love this feeling. And he's in that moment right there. It's a good time of praise for him. Life is peaceful. Life is quiet. Life is undisturbed. And he's experiencing the blessings of God on his life. And we all need 23rd Psalm moments. We need times in our lives that are like this. Because 23rd Psalm moments, it, it has the ability to build our faith because you're not really facing a trial during that time. And so you sing about God's goodness and we need that in our life to, to build our faith. The, the Psalm 23 moments, it has the ability to restore our soul. Like the psalmist said, he restores my soul. And I'm sure that David knew that he had a classic on his hands. I, I do. He probably walked around all the time humming the, you know, the 23rd Psalm everywhere that he went. Because at least I hope he did. Man, I hope he realized how big this was going to be. I hope he knew that one 
one day people would walk in Christian bookstores and they would see or walk in Hobby Lobby. Man, you can't go in Hobby Lobby without seeing it. And you walk in and, and on the wall hanging in their house now, they've got this picture frame and the 23rd Psalm is framed and matted right there. Man, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I hope David somehow knew that, that this was going to be a hit, that, that this was going to be one of the greatest songs of all time. Many of you, you have the 23rd Psalm memorized. You know it by heart, at least most of it. If I was to ask you to recite it right now, and we were all saying it together, you, you, you may stumble through it a little bit, but you know the gist of it. You know you would pick up. You might miss a few words here and there. But most of you in the room, you have it memorized. But if I ask you to, to recite Psalm 51, you'd be lost. We don't consider it one of the greatest hits of David. Psalm 51 isn't one that we're just memorizing. It's not one that we're just walking around singing all the time because the circumstances surrounding Psalm 51 are completely different than the circumstances surrounding Psalm 23. Psalm 51 was written at a very difficult time in David's life. You see, David had committed adultery. He was king of Israel, and he commits adultery. While a woman's husband was off at war, he falls for her and uses his power to get her to his palace, and he sleeps with her, and she becomes pregnant. To try and cover up his mistake, he brings her husband home from war, hoping that maybe they will sleep together, and he can say it's his child. Little did he know that that man would, would want to honor all the men that he's serving with. And he says, I, I don't want to, to stay in the same house with my wife if my fellow soldiers can't do the same. And so he doesn't even stay in the house with her. And, and at that point, David really has to go to extremes to cover up his mistake. He sends this woman's husband to the front line. To the front line. Basically, to be murdered. Put him on the front line where he will be killed to cover up my mistake. Psalm 51, with regret and shame flooding his soul, David writes these words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Let's skip to verse 10 and listen to his heart's cry. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Man, think about this, church. David feels dirty. Spiritually, he's useless. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. There are times in our lives when we are trying to find victory over a new battle that we're facing, but we're singing the same old songs. 
There's songs that we once sang that they brought victory in our life at one time, but, but today they're not bringing the same victory. And it's not that the song isn't powerful anymore. It's like anything in life. If it's right in front of you, you don't realize the importance of it. We begin taking songs for granted. We begin taking people for granted. You don't appreciate what's right in front of you. I mean, I grew up on the hymns. But I can tell you this, I didn't appreciate them because they were always in the forefront. We, that's all that we sang at our church when I was growing up. That was it. Today, I appreciate them so much more because we're removed from them. And when we do a hymn, and we don't do them a lot, but when we do one, maybe it's, it's revamped, maybe it's, it's, it's rewritten a little bit. But man, I appreciate those lyrics so much more. I know there's a few different versions of Amazing Grace that we sing now. And I can tell you this, now that I'm separated from that some and I'm not as familiar with it anymore, I, I, those words mean so much more to me. And some of you, you're facing some new devils, some new battles in your life, but you're trying to win the battle by singing the same old song. David was a long way from the 23rd Psalm. Long way. By the time you, by the time you get to Psalm 51, he is so far separated from Psalm 23. Psalm 23 was not his heart's cry at that moment when he had sinned against God. It wasn't his heart's cry anymore. So David needed a new song. He needed a song that maybe it didn't bring the same joy that, that, that the 23rd Psalm did, but it still had tons of promise in it because he was saying, Lord, I need you to blot out my iniquities. Lord, I need you to fix my shame. God, there's nobody else that can handle this except for you. Church, life is full of unexpected changes and challenges. It's going to happen. If there's ever anything I've been very honest with you about is that when you come to Christ, it does not mean that you will not experience challenges. Some of you are going through it right now, and some of you, tomorrow, you're going to face your, your biggest challenge. It's going to happen. And I'm not speaking doom on you. No, I'm telling you, you've got to learn to sing a new song. Because life is full of unexpected changes and challenges. And you pick certain songs to be on your life soundtrack. But life throws a scenario at you that you're not expecting. And suddenly you can't sing happy anymore when you're, when, when you're just drowning in sorrow. Amen. Life has a way of changing the scenario on you. So what do you do? What do you do when it doesn't fit into your soundtrack? How do you react? God says, sing a new song. Sing a new song. Not that the, the world needs another song. We've got plenty of songs. But in order for you to find victory, you've got to learn to sing a new song. When your boss calls you in and says, your services are no longer needed at this company, what do you do? You better learn to sing a new song. When your kids look at you and you have absolutely nothing in common with them and it's a chore to live in the same house with them, what do you do? You better sing a new song. When your spouse, after years of marriage, walks into your room and tells you, I don't love you anymore, what do you do? You sing a new song. You sing a new song because the 23rd Psalm isn't going to help you during that time. 
when you've hurt everybody around you, what do you do? When you feel deserted and like nobody cares, you better learn to sing a new song because it's the only way that you're going to find victory. Amazing grace may have helped you find Jesus. Lamentations 3 and 23 tells us that his mercies are new every morning. I love to sing about his amazing grace, but what about those new mercies every morning? I need his new mercies every morning. The first week I reached back to our wedding day and I shared with you a song that was sung at our wedding that prophesied into our lives a few months later when we found out that Mandy had cancer. Last week I took you into Mandy's hospital room and I share with you our go-to song during her battle with cancer. And today, I want to, to share with you about a very dark time in my life. And for some of you, you're going to think it doesn't seem that serious. But man, I'm telling you, it was very dark. It was very serious for me. I've been in ministry for a few years. And I was on staff at the second church that I was ever on staff at. And I had this growing discontent that was happening and we didn't have any problems. The people at the church, they loved us. We loved them. Our pastor loved us, we loved him. They were asking us to stay and, and about two years before we left, I started to experience this feeling of, of just uncertainty and uneasiness and, and I just knew God was bringing our time there to a close. I was honest with my pastor. I sat him down two years before we left and I told him, I said, man, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm not happy here anymore. It's nothing against the church, but God's doing something different with me and I don't know what it is. And it became one of the darkest seasons for my life. You know, it's tough to cry out to God and you don't hear anything back. And I was crying out and I was saying, God, I need direction. I need to know where I'm going, what you're doing in my ministry. Are you done with me in ministry? Is this it? If this is it, then God show me and, and I'll go get a job somewhere and, and I'll do something different. But God, I need to know something. I need to know where you're leading me. I need to know how to prepare my wife. I need to know how to prepare my kids. God, what are you doing in my life? What's happening? And you may not get it, but man, I'm telling you, it, it was borderline depression for me because I did not know it. I couldn't hear God's voice. And just out of faithfulness, I went to work at youth camp. And it was there at that youth camp that the praise band, at the end of a service one night, they played a song. I'd never heard this song before. At that moment in my life, it was brand new to me. I never heard it, didn't know the words to it. I can't even tell you what, what the speaker preached on that night. I have no idea what the sermon was about. I was in such a dark place that, that I, I just didn't probably even listen to him. Sometimes I wonder if any of you listen to me. You walk out and you're like, what did he preach about? I, I didn't know. I didn't know what he preached about at all. But that song will forever be etched in my head. 
because it changed me that night. And it said, I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. Where else can I go? There's no other name by which I am saved. Capture me grace. came flooding into my life at just the right moment. A song that I'd never heard before. And God gave me a new song to sing because it was that night that I realized I don't have to know every step. That I don't have to know exactly where God is taking me. It was through that song that I realized I am not my own rescuer. Jesus Christ is the one that, that, that holds my steps. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. I had to come to that realization. And that song helped me through a very dark time. When I didn't know where to plant a church, when I knew God was leading us to plant a church, but I didn't know where, God would lead me back to that song and I would sing. I need you, Jesus, to come to my rescue. That song helped me. When after we planted the church, there was an opposition, a, a group of people that rose up against the vision and where we were heading. And man, it felt like my world was caving in. And I would sing, I need you, Jesus. Where else can I go? There's no other name by which I'm saved. Capture me with grace. I remember being across the street in that little building and sitting in a back office by myself. I was the only staff member of this church, the only one. And I'd come from a church that had a large staff. And I remember sitting in that little office being so overwhelmed, feeling the weight of this church on my shoulders. And I remember singing the words of that song. I need Jesus to come to my rescue where else can I go there's no other name by which I am saved capture me with grace I will follow It was a new song that he put on my heart, and it changed my life. And some of you today, you need a new song. You're trying to win a new battle with the same old song, and God's saying, I've got new promises. My mercies are new for you. 
every day. They're new every morning. And I've got something I want to do in your life. And you need to grab hold of that promise. You need a new song to sing to the Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.